Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this house. Father, we pray over our online church. We pray over our Laredo service in a couple hours. But Father, we are in your presence. And Lord, we are here on the discovery to really understand who the Holy Spirit is, God. And Father, who can teach us better than the Holy Ghost? So we completely depend on that this morning. Ears to hear and voice to deliver. And both of them are anointed by the Holy Spirit, Father, that we will enter in to a place of insight, revelation, and knowledge. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see everybody. Hope you were here last week. If not, you need to go back and get to the archives and listen to the message because I don't have a lot of time to, to go back there. But we've, we started a series last week, if you're joining us for the first time in the building or online, that, you know, it's been on my heart for a couple of years, actually, and it just was the timing of it. And with Brother Joe McCroskey and the JSMI team that was here, it kind of just gave me the confirmation that I needed to, to go right into that, because I've been holding on this message for a long time. And it really is about developing a relationship and understanding who the Holy Spirit is. And as most of you know, you know, depending on your church experience, if you come from a charismatic background, or if you come from you know, a more traditional background, nonetheless, there's most of the Holy Spirit teaching, and I've done it, and it's nothing wrong with that. You know, we, we need to do that. It's, but it kind of gears into really the... the what I would call the Pentecostal experience, the being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, so forth and so on. And that is part of the Bible, but I think also we miss something by going too quickly to that and missing the fact that we have to know Him. Amen? Are you here? You know, in any relationship in your life, I don't care what it is, it's your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, mom, dad, uncle, compadre, you know, whatever relationship that's of worth of any value in your life, I'll tell you, you know, two things that you've invested in that relationship. You've invested time, and you've invested conversations, right? Lots of conversations. And that's what builds a relationship, you know? And most of, most of us have had that experience in our lives where, you know, somebody tells you, usually it's a negative experience, because somebody will tell you something about somebody, and they'll just work you and work you and work you. Oh, this person is like this, this person's like that. You know, you've got to watch out for them. And you create an image of them that is totally not correct because once you interact with them, how many have had that? And you already, you know, you approach that relationship like, wow, you know. But the more you, you know, you interact with that person, you find out that all those things that they were told about him weren't true or her. And you say, man, you know, I, so I kind of feel in the, <laughs> the way the Holy Spirit is kind of like that because I think a lot of the church kind of is weary of really digging into understanding what the Spirit of God is because there's so much mysticism attached to it. You know, they, they attach a lot of mysticism and even the, even the name ghost, that just kind of, you know, makes a little bit of like, okay, it's kind of like mystical. Even the word spirit, if you use the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. And so the title of the series is, I call it, I Know a Ghost. Amen? Look at somebody and say, I know a ghost. Come on, break the ice. It's only a handful of it, so we've got to make noise. And last week we learned, just very briefly, that the word spirit is the word Greek word pneuma. And I really didn't have a whole time to break it all down what, the way I wanted to, but just briefly, pneuma has nothing really to do with ghost in any context. It basically means breath, the breath of God. And, we've, and what we did last week, if you were here, we tracked the breath of God from Genesis. That's the very first thing he put in the human, right? I mean, he made a man, and the man was just a piece of meat laying on the ground with no life in it, and God breathed into his life. And next week we're going to learn some other things, but you find out that Jesus did the same thing with his disciples 
when they were right at the end of his ministry, he breathed the Spirit of God on them. That's a really interesting scripture that we'll look into next week. So Neoma, you know, rep- represents the idea that the Holy Spirit is more like a wind. And we've taught, you know, again, just kind of recapping a little bit so we can dive into where we're going this morning. And, you know, we had a, another little storm come in through yesterday. Amen. I don't know if you guys got any of it. And it was kind of, you know, we picked up about another inch. I didn't have any place to put the water, which is a good problem, you know. But, man, it came with a lot of wind. And, you know, the first draft says, wow, look at the wind. You know, trees are folding down and blowing. And really what you're saying is look at the effects of the wind, right? You can't really see the wind, but you can feel the wind, and you can know what it's, you know, you can see what the wind has done. And I think that is, when you understand that neoma, that really is what the Holy Spirit is in our life. You know, he's, he's on us, he's in us. He's, he's among us, you know, and the, the thing is that we can't really see him, but we can see the effects of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? And I don't know, I was talking to somebody last week, I forget who it was, right off the top of my head, and we were talking about, you know, it'd, it'd be so complicated, and at least in my life, you know, to wake up one morning and find out that the Holy Spirit has left us, because you get so used to knowing that he's there. Are you here? You know, we don't do anything without, you know, praying for him, you know, praying about, about anything, you know, my kid doesn't even get out of, you know, out of the car to go to school, my grandson, without a prayer, because we're so dependent on, on, on the presence, and I think it is a great, great analogy to, to begin to understand that your relationship with the Holy Spirit is kind of like a, a presence, it's the wind, it's the air you breathe, and that's the song that we sang, you know, you are the air I breathe, and I think, you know, where is the air? It's everywhere. It's around you. It's in you. It's among you. you know, it's everywhere we talk. We have air. And that is really what, it, what you get, begin to understand, that, that that's a presence of God. So the Holy Spirit is not a separate entity. You know, you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and each one has a function, but, but it is still the Spirit of God. Are you here? It is the Spirit of God. So God the Father sits on the throne. The Bible says that his Son sits at his right hand, and then the Holy Spirit is the, the part of God that he left here on the earth for us to interact with every day of our life. And it's kind of funny because, again, you know, we talk a lot about God the Father. We talk a lot about the, the Jesus, and we, and we know so much about the life of Jesus and his teachings, and we major on that. But it seems like the church as a whole doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about the Holy Ghost, being that the Holy Spirit is the one that he left for you. So you would think that it's just as important, not any less important, but, you know, most of messages, most church you know, the machine, if I can call it a church, hovers around God the Father, God Jesus. We talk about the Holy Spirit here and there, but it's not, it doesn't seem like he's a major conversation. And, if, and then when it, it is a conversation, it seems like it immediately goes into the charismatic experience. Again, nothing wrong with that, and hopefully you'll get to that. We are a charismatic church, if you want to call it like that. But I think we got to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Are you still here? Let's go and, and just track with me, RJ, back there, because I don't even know where the clicker is this morning. But let's go into our first scripture. So developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this is, a, this is a really powerful one. So 1 Kings 19, verse 9, if you have your Bibles or you can see it up on the screen. And it's an, it's an Old Testament you know, situation that Elijah was. And Elijah was actually fleeing at this point of his life. He was running for his life. He, you know, don't ever make a, a woman mad. That's all I'm going to say about that story. You can go back, but he was fleeing from Jezebel. And he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord appeared to Elijah, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death. 
with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And listen to this. And they're trying to kill me too. You know, everybody's after this guy. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. Now I want you to stop there briefly because I want you to think about this. You know, we see God, Elijah, in a time of pressure, in a time where things are hard for him. Anybody felt like that ever? And you're, you know, you're following God, you're trying to do the God thing, you're trying to do the Christian thing, and it just seems like everything is going the wrong way. Anybody? That doesn't mean God left you. That just means you've got to pay attention. So Elijah's there, and he actually says, you know, they've killed everybody. I'm the, only, I'm the last one left. I need a sign, God. I need you to come in. So we see this, you know, the, the presence of God shows up, and there's an earthquake, and there's a, a you know, shattering earthquake, breaks mountains, rocks are falling, I mean, God is about to show up, and we've seen the presence of God before in the Old Testament in this capacity, you know, splitting the Red Sea and other great, great acts. But pay attention to this, because I think this is part of what's happening within, still within the church today. You know, when we have a crisis, when we have a problem, we are like, God, show up, God, move the mountain, God, tear it up, God, build it. Anybody? You're all very quiet this morning. And it goes on to say... Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But pay attention to this. The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And the last, in verse 12, it says, and after the earthquake came a fire. So you got, sounds like the band, earth, wind, and fires. For all your millennials don't have any idea what we're talking about. But um, I think that's probably where they got the title for it, (laughs) by the way. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And you know, one of the things that I see here is that the church, now this might not be you specifically, but as a whole, the church is lean, especially the charismatic church, we lean into the supernatural. We want the supernatural. We are hungry for signs and wonders. Nothing wrong with that, but there is a problem with that. Because sometimes... You know, you can pursue the spectacular and not find God. Amen? And there's, um, you know, I used to be a little bit like that right at the beginning of my life. Thank God I grew up a little bit, spiritually speaking. But, you know, we used to go to every Christian meeting that was anywhere nearby. If it's somebody that we respected and it was somebody that we knew would bring a word, and we'd, we'd all go all the way to Houston, and we'd go to the Valley, and we'd go to Corpus, and we'd go to San Antonio. We, you know, if there was a, anybody that, you know, would come. And again, nothing wrong with all, any of that. That's good, you know, get a word. But I think sometimes a church is looking for something else. They're looking for spectacular over a word. Are you here? And I think that's a danger, because Elijah, you know, he saw all these things. He saw, you know, mountains splitting. He saw fire He saw earthquakes and all this explosion, but when it was all done, God wasn't in all that. God caused that, you know, he zapped the mountains, whatever you want to say, but he wasn't in there. At the end, he came in in a small, and I like that word, it says gentle whisper. And I want to talk to you about, because one of the biggest things we got to learn is that the Holy Spirit speaks to every one of us. Are you here? You know, everybody wants to draw into church leadership, nothing wrong with that. Pastor, you know, I'm here for you as much as I can. You guys know that. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit talks to everyone in this room. 
And if you're not listening to it, it's mainly because either you're looking for the spectacular or you haven't learned how to discern the voice. And that is really where we're trying to learn this morning. I, I want you to leave with some information. You know, I don't want you to just go with inspiration. I want you to leave with some information because in this time and age, you better, 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 better know that you're listening to the Holy Spirit. I got a couple of stories I'll share with you. I'll share one right now, and if I have time, I'll share the other one. You know, last year, in the month of January, you know, pastors from Ukraine were here, Demas, and we've been talking, you know, I hadn't been in Ukraine for a few years now. I usually, I would usually go every year, sometimes even twice a year we'd be in Ukraine. But, you know, we, we you know, working in Cuba, and so forth and so on, so I, I kind of lost, I'm trying to think when my last trip to Ukraine, I, I believe was 2018, might have been even 2017, but nonetheless, we had planned a trip, and we were going to plan a conference, which actually we're planning as I speak, you know, we're still trying to figure out some dates to go this year back to Ukraine and do what we need to do with over there, but this happened last year, and so January they came, you know, we talked about dates, we kind of set it in the calendar, they were here for the minister's conference up at Fort Worth, they went home, and so the whole month of January, as some of you that have gone with me, H has knows, he's gone over, overseas with me, you've got to buy those tickets early, <laughs> like really early. You know, if you wait within two weeks, you're going to pay twice as much for overseas tickets. So, so I began shopping around in January, you know, for the airline tickets and so forth and so on, and there was a couple of good deals, and I'm like, but you know, the whole time, there was something in my spirit that felt almost like when a shoe doesn't fit. Anybody want to talk about it? Or more South Texas, you got a little piece of gravel in your shoe and you're just too lazy to take it off. Anybody? And you'll suffer with that thing for hours. Come on, raise your hand if you've ever done that. That's me. I'll be walking like, ow, ow, but I'm busy, ow. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't. Well, that's kind of, you know, I'm using it as an analogy, but there was that feeling in my spirit that just something wasn't in rhythm. It's not, you know, and, and COVID was not really a thing. You know, we had heard about the cases in China. There was just a little tiny little thing going with COVID here, a couple cases in the the West Coast, not a big thing. Nobody was really talking about it. And you remember, you know, even President Trump, he shut down flights from China, and, and our loving Nancy Pelosi went to Chinatown and had a big wing ding right in the smack in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, I, whatever they take, I really could care less because they, you know, anyway, that's side point. But, you know, COVID wasn't really a thing. It was, you know, people were talking about it. But I had this thing. So we move into February, and it's getting to crunch time because we are leaving the end of March. You know, that's the date. And I was thinking, I think it was between March 18th to like, it's usually you go over there two weeks. So it would have put us at the end of March into the first week of April. That was the visit for Ukraine. And I just kept feeling this thing, feeling this thing, feeling this thing that it wasn't right. Again, COVID wasn't really a thing. Well, come February, I, I was pretty clear that the Holy Spirit had already spoken to me about it. But you know, I didn't hear a voice. I didn't see a mountain shatter. I didn't see a sign in the sky, you know, written like with an airplane says, don't go to Ukraine. I didn't see none of that. I didn't even have a clear download. I know I I hear the Holy Spirit and I know when it's the voice of the Lord. But it was just a feeling. It was a gentle whisper. And the gentle whisper simply said, this is not the time. He didn't give me any information. We Nobody knew we'd be shut down for a year. Nobody, even the church would be shut down. Remember that? Six weeks we weren't in this building. It seemed like the longest six weeks of my life. I don't know how these churches shut down for a year if they had anything left when they came back. But, you know, it wasn't a big thing. But I finally called Demas, you know, our pastor in Ukraine. I said, Demas, you know, I want to apologize, brother, but I just, you know, I got this check in my spirit that I'm not supposed to go. 
And, and he understands me. He's a very good friend. We've known each other for many, many, many years. He said, I understand, Pastor Box. It's all good. I said, we'll just, we'll just, um, let's just leave it like that for right now. Well, you guys know what happened first few weeks of March, right? You know, I want to, you know, I'm going to say all hell broke loose, but that's what it is, because that's a demonic sickness from hell. COVID broke completely loose, and we would have been in Ukraine when they shut all the air, airports down. Now, I'm sure there would have been a process for us to get home because they were permitting airplanes to bring people home. But you understand what that was. It would have not been a good thing for me and, you know, Monica and I and Caden, because all three of us were going to go to be stuck you know, across the ocean and not even knowing if, if we could get back at the time that we were and the whole COVID thing was breaking out. And here's my point of that whole story. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's your helper. He is here. But we have to develop, and that, that's the goal of this, this service this morning, to teach you how to develop that, and it's going to be up to you, because I can just give you the guidelines, and that's what we're going to do. But it's really going to be up to you, because we are not lost, church. Say amen. amen. God did not leave us. That's why I said people that don't have God, and if you're here this morning and you don't have God, or you feel you've walked away from God, or if you're watching us online and you feel like, this, don't waste any more time. You, know, you need a relationship with Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? But having a relationship with Jesus means you also should have a relationship with His Spirit, because that's the part that he will communicate with you. And I could have just ignored the, the, the promptings and got on the plane, and I don't know, you know, I'm sure we would have gotten back, but it would have been, you know, quite complex, because like, air, air, you know, you guys remember that, the whole airlines were getting shut down, you know, and it was, it was hard for a lot of Americans even to get back home. So, you know, that was that feeling, and that really is that gentle whisper. So we're going to break that down. I just want to share a little testimony on that this morning, and I'm sure you, you might have some stories yourself that, that, that gear in that direction. Now, I want you to go into, just, just, just go with me on the slides, RJ, I, I don't say. So we need, I, just, I kind of talk a bit, we do need to stop looking for the spectacular, spectacular, and we need to focus more on the intimate. Nothing wrong with spectacular. I like spectacular, but at the end of the day, what you really need is the intimate. You need to know him. You know, there was nothing spectacular of my trip cancellation. It was just a feeling that was on me for two weeks or maybe more that just didn't feel right. You know, I wish I would have seen a sign and that would have been the end of it. Because even when I was canceling, I was saying, but you know what, once I cancel the trip, the next feeling was absolute peace. Just complete peace. And we'll talk about that later. So, you know, another thing that happens when you're pursuing the spectacular, and this is just a note, and you know, you can raise your hand on the inside, but when you go to meetings, even, maybe even church service, you know, we've had, we, last week was such a good service, wasn't it? It was just powerful presence of God was here. And, you know, we had the same thing in Laredo, just God moved in a great way. But, you know, when I used to run to these conferences, and sometimes even when we were doing with the youth group and we'd take them to these big band events and Hillsong and whatever, you know, we, we'd went to all kinds of stuff. You know, it was like very exhilarating the moment you were there and the word and you felt all pumped. But as soon as you got home, anybody experienced the, experienced the Jesus blues? You know what I'm talking about? Like, wow, that was awesome. Maybe you had a, a time in the church where you go, wow, that was, service was awesome. And by Monday, you think Jesus left you. That's what I call the Jesus blues, right? You, you had the Jesus high, now you have the Jesus blues. And I think that is a, a pattern among Christians, again, because, again, they are seeking for spectacular over intimacy. Because, you know... I'll give you, you know, most of you, if you're married, you'll understand this. If not, don't worry about it. But if you're married and you love your wife and, you know, you love your husband, you guys can have a disagreement, but you know you're not getting a divorce. Even if 
she says divorce, because you know, it's always ladies, they want to, I'm going to get a divorce, whatever. Um, you know it's not going to happen, because the intimacy that you have is way, way, way more powerful than the fight that you have. So the fight could be the spectacular, right? And if you're married to Mexican, there usually are spectacular fights. You know, we don't, we don't fight like white people, you know. We don't have timeouts, and uh, it's, it's like, correle. But what I'm saying is, I think I'm using that kind of as a loose analogy to, to understand with God, it's kind of the same thing. You know, we, we, we have this idea, well, I got, I want to be healed. I want to see this. And, and if it doesn't happen according to your idea of what spectacular is or how God was going to move, then the only other thing is you get the blues. In other words, you're like, wow, I guess it didn't happen. Now what am I going to do? Well, guess what? Jesus never left you. He never left you. He promised he would never leave you nor forsake you, not till the end of the age. But what is happening? All that is happening within us. Because we have an idea and we're creating ideas about, and that's what I'm saying, I think the, whole, the idea of the Holy Spirit you know, has become this really weird area now, and so many people go on these tangents. Again, I'm not going to criticize anything, but there's, there's a Christian movement, you know, and, and I, I guess some of these people are probably okay, I'm not, I'm not judging them, but they call them the new mystics. And I'm like, that kind of bothered me ever since I saw that, because it, it, what they're saying is they get into these Holy Ghost services and everything is kind of weird and funky and they, you know, everybody's prophesying and these, these signs and wonders. And I wonder a lot about that, even if that's God. I'll be honest with you. Because God is not about the spectacular. Now, he can do spectacular things. He's more about relationship. Church is not about church anyway. Church is about hopefully growing your relationship with Jesus. Because if your relationship doesn't grow after this morning, you're just wasting your time. I'm serious. I mean, if you don't take something home that just, you know, it might be just a little tiny hair, but you're a little closer to Jesus, if that's what comes from the church, then you're in the right place. Well, I mean, you're still in the right place. You might be the wrong person, right? Because you're like saying, well, I went to church and nothing happened. Well, if, I believe say another person will say, man, that was the best service of my life. So what is happening? Well, it's a reception, right? One has an expectation of God. And I think it's a mistake for us as you develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, to, you know, no pun intended, but to put God in a box. Because we, we limit, even in the, in the arena of spectacular, we say, well, you know, if God, you know, you know how people are, I don't know if you've ever run around with charismatics, but my gosh, they're a funny bunch. You know, say, I need a sign. I remember there was a little tree here that, wouldn't, that was just an, a, a nuisance right in the front. It was also like the one right there, one of those right there, like in the window. That's a nuisance. We've killed that thing like 15 times. It keeps coming back. Well, anyway, there was a little tree there, and, and we kept whacking it and, it, and it, and it kept popping up, and somebody came, I believe that's a sign of God. So I came the next day with a talache, and I took care of it. It never came back after that. Because, you know, just because a root keeps popping, it's not like God's talking to you. I mean, you can say, you know, maybe you're going to make a decision, and you're standing at, at the traffic light, and if that light turns green, that's God. Come on. That's about as lame as some of the stuff that Christians do. Bien calladitos, because you know you've probably done that, right? If I get three green lights, that means God wants me to get a divorce, really. <laughs> or you want to go, you know, the famous one is Bible roulette. God talked to me, and Judas hung himself. No, 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 not that one, Lord, no, not that one. You know, that's what happens when you go after the spectacular and you're not developing a relationship. Are you still here? All right, let's keep moving. 
The truth is that trying to build a relationship with Jesus only on amazing experiences like trying to float in a pool on a piece of cardboard. You know, if all you want your relationship with Jesus, because we say Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. You know, that's about equivalent like trying to float on a piece of cardboard because what do you know about a piece of cardboard? It'll, wet, it'll float for a little bit, but it's going to sink pretty quick. And that is where the blues come. That's where the, the this, this uh, you know, uh, no, I'm not going to use that word. I was going to use the word, but I don't want to use that one. I'll use another one. But, you know, this, this kind of toxic relationship with Jesus that you really don't know, and then if that's not enough, then you got condemnation slapping you every day, so you don't even know if he's listening. You don't know if he, And let me tell you, you have to get past that. Because here, let me help you. Every one of you was a sinner before Jesus showed up. And it says in Romans, while you were a sinner, he died for you. He's been loving you before you ever looked at him. So settle it once and for all. God loves you. Say that with me. God loves me. You know, just settle that. You know, it, it's not God loves me because I'm behaving. While you were a sinner, God loved you. Now, you had to make a choice, right? You weren't going to heaven, but you had to make a choice. But the love of God is on every person on this planet. Now, we made a choice to say, I want to be a Christ follower. Okay? So now, he still loves me. But that scripture says, how much more? Right? How much more? And, and there's, a, there's a scripture, I don't have it on the board, I mean on the, on the slides, but that says, if you guys being evil... Don't give your children a serpent. How much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask for it? I mean, it's, he's here, he's available, but he is still a gentleman. He will not move in. And that's why we have to learn to listen to the small inner voice. Because the promptings are gentle. Most of the time, most of, most of the time everything the Holy Spirit tells you is in a gentle whisper. And he can do that through the word. He can do that through a song. He can do that through so many ways. But, you know, it is, it is not coming, you know, with fire and a big show. And you have to, you know, you have to make terms, you know, come to terms to that and say, the Lord is guiding me, but he's going to guide me more by the natural than by the supernatural. He will, because natural, you'll have a thought. That's a natural thing. And it's going to be up to you to determine, was that a God thought or it's my thought? And I'll help you with that today. So let's keep going. Um, go to the next one. Just, just keep flipping. Let's stop right there. Let's, let's look into this. And because the, a real authentic relationship with Jesus is built on Scripture. Now, let's, yeah, let's look at the di- three different levels of relationship before we go into anywhere else. Because these are the three that you're going to find in the Bible. The, num- the first one is the one that everyone on this planet has. Everyone, do you understand that everyone on this planet has a relationship with the Holy Spirit? The atheist, the Satanist, the people that drive up and make fun of us sitting in church this morning. Everyone has a relationship with the Holy Spirit. They don't know it, but they have a relationship. And the very first one is, it's the, it says, with you, in company, beside you, alongside you. That means that people that are not born again experience this relationship with the Holy Spirit. He tells them, Repent. One of the functions of the Holy Spirit, you can find it in the New Testament, he said he came to convict people of their sin. And the word convict is a pretty hard word. The actual word is convince. So people out there, the Holy Spirit is saying, you, don't, you shouldn't be doing that. Now most people have ignored it. Most people don't even recognize it. But guess what happens when a believer, you, begins to pray for that person. That's so why don't ever give up praying for anybody. 
And so, well, Pastor, they don't listen to me. That's okay. They'll listen to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has one a job. You see, we have to give a place, and, that, and we're going to talk about that today and, and next week for sure. We have to give place for the Holy Spirit to take care of what his job description is. And if you don't know what his job description is, you don't even know if he's going to do it. Because there are things, you know, if you say, Holy Spirit, give me the numbers for the lotto, that's not happening. Because that's not his job description. I know some of you tried, but that's not his job description. Uh, like, no, I'll pass. Like, you're praying in tongues while you're picking the numbers. Come on, like, really? You know? Number two. Now you've come, you've been convinced that you need a Savior. And somewhere in your life, you make a decision. You say, Jesus, I need you. I give you my life. Come, be part of my life. Well, guess what? When Jesus comes, he comes with the Holy Ghost. You don't get Jesus without the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Spirit, the Pentecostal experience, is very different than the salvation experience. The Holy Spirit comes when Jesus comes. Are you still here? And the born-again experience, in verse 8, 16, comes and says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. So the first level of relationship, it says, you need God. I don't know what your life was. You know, of course, I grew up in church. I had a relationship with God. I ran from God for 14 long, miserable years of my life. But those 14 years, you know what? He never stopped talking to me. Are you still here? He never stopped talking to me. Even when I was partying and doing and living like an idiot, you know, I was, it was always an, a, a, a weird awareness that he was around. And I can tell you stories that will creep you out about my, you know, stuff that when I was in the world, and I'm not even going to go there because they're just kind of strange. But I had, my wife was praying for me, my mom was praying for me, and I was out there doing the best to try to kill myself in so many levels. And all these weird things would happen where I would somehow get out of a lot of problems. And you know, now today I look back and that was the Holy Spirit. Because he'll never leave you or forsake you. And I was running from God. So now you're in, you know, that relationship, he was with me. Even, so somebody said, well, Pastor, do you believe you were not born again? Well, I'm not really sure. You know, there was a time when I felt that if I would have died, I would have gone to hell. But now I look back and I said, the Holy Spirit was there all the time running with me. So I'm not even too sure. Because I never rejected God. I never threw my fist up, you know, into heaven and say, God, I don't want you anymore. I was just being reckless with my life. But the number two relationship is he is with you. He comes inside of you. And then the number three relationship, which we'll talk about next week, he comes upon you. And this is the empowerment where the Holy Spirit power comes to a person. And that is mentioned in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, when you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So you already have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit is something if you want it or you don't want it. If you don't want it, you're fine. I'll be tell you something. I'm not sure how you can even live without it. Because I'm very dependent on it. You know, you get used to be dependent on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues, you know, and so forth and so on. So these are the three levels that you can have with a relationship. So most of you are probably, I'm just going to, you know, I think I look around the room and we have, you know, a lot of people are out for this weekend. So I could say comfortably that probably everybody in this room is born again. I don't know who's watching online. So I want to say you already have number two. You're not trying to get the Holy Ghost. He's there with you, and his voice is still there, and he's strong with you. And that's really where we want to spend our time this morning. So let's go into the next one, and uh, let's, let's break it down from there. So each spiritual experience does have a purpose, but every spiritual experience, its purpose is to stir our affection to Jesus. Think about that. 
Because when you talk about spiritual experiences, everything that the Holy Spirit does, everything. I mean, if you got goosebumps, if you fell out, you know, anything, you know, that you say, wow, you know, that experience with God, everything about that experience is to grow and stir your affection for him. It's not just, you know, because, again, boy, I don't want to waste y'all time, but I could tell you stories and stories of stuff that my wife and I saw <laughs> in charism I just call them charismaniac circles because that, that was, I mean, that was beyond charismatic, especially, you know, in, in Mexico and some crazy stuff that we'd see. And, and even, the, even in my novice approach, because I was kind of young in the Lord, I could look at some of these things and say, that is not God. There's no way that's God, you know. And they were carrying on and carrying on. And, and I said, no, 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 that's God. Because at the end of the day, whatever happened, did that increase your affection to Jesus? We were at a meeting in, in a big, big church in Monterrey, Mexico, years and years and years ago. And it was one of those. And they had all the laughing going on. It was, it was crazy. I'm not going to tell you all the stuff that happened. But it was really wild. Let me just put it that way. And at the end of the service, I saw something. Because all these people during praise and worship, which was about two hours. I'm sure Kathy would love that. Just kidding. You know, it was a long praise and worship. And, and I was the guest speaker, and the pastor said, you got 20 minutes. I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I can't even say hello in 20 minutes. You know, and all these people were carrying on and laughing and jumping up and down and falling out. And, and it was like this big explo- emotional explosion. And, and if you would have walked into that church and said, wow, these people are like, everybody's like excited, happy. But after I finished preaching, and I didn't preach for 20 minutes. I preached as long as I needed to. Um, the same people that were jumping up and carrying around and running around the building, and they were all up on the, on the altar call, weeping and crying, and the same person. And I'm like, wow, you know, what happened? You know, you, were, you had the joy of the Holy Ghost, now you have the depression of the Holy Ghost. I mean, what's going on? Because it was built very emotionally, and a lot of these things, none of those really took you to a place where they got you close to Jesus. And I remember there was a young man, he was really tall, you know, he's Mexican, but he was taller than me, and he came to me, and he said, Pastor, I know you have a word from God for me. He wanted a prophecy, right? And I looked at him and I said, I do have a word. He said, really tell me. And he got all like in trance. And I said, open your eyes. I said, I got a word. I said, you need to go read First and Second Timothy. And he got shocked. He said, that's your word. He goes, really? Yeah, you've got you to go read First and Second Timothy. And he was like confused because he, he expected something like, oh, the Lord says that you will be great and grandest and you know, all that. And I didn't have that. And first of all, those people were so addicted to... To, the, to that, that when it came down to the real word, they can handle it. Are you still with me? Because everything the Holy Spirit does stirs up to get you closer to Jesus. Even if, you're under, you know, even if you've messed up, even if you've done something wrong, the Holy Spirit, you don't feel bad. Condemnation doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation comes from the other guy. Now, you can be under a lot of conviction. You can be under a lot of convincing to get it right, to fix it, but you still feel the love. The Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, you need to fix this. You can't be talking to your wife like that. You can't be acting this way. You can't be looking. I mean, he'll talk to you in a way that doesn't separate you from him. Amen? So make sure you're, 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 you're you know, I'm spending a lot of time on this point, you know, from the beginning, actually, that you spend enough time understanding that your foundation to listen to the Holy Spirit is not going to be based just on the spectacular. There's nothing wrong with spectacular. It is really going to grow on the intimacy side. Amen? All right. So, a true inner witness from the Holy Spirit will come out of your spirit. It will not come out of your head, your imagination, or your emotions. 
When you begin to grow your relationship with the Holy Spirit, when you begin to get familiar with him, you're going you're gonna to learn how that bypasses that. And you know, the, the, the great question that everybody asks, well, pastor, how do I know if the Holy Spirit's talking to me? How do I know if it's God, if it's me, or if it's the devil? Anybody deal with that? Okay, wrong crowd, Lord. I guess this, we just missed the whole point. Okay, a couple hands went up, so I'll just talk to those couple hands because everybody is spiritual giants this morning. No, I still deal with that. I'll have a thought and I'll have an idea, and I, and I wonder, okay, is that from the Lord or is that just me? And I'll, I'll share a little story to preach that one or to make that point. So when we first started the ministry in 1994, and we were pretty broke, you know, we were, hardly had any money of anything. And I remember we, we were down to our last $20 in 1994. That was a lot of money, you know, you could buy few groceries with 20 bucks. And there was a lady that was going to our church. You probably heard this story, some of you, but I'll say it again. And we were still at my house. We were meeting in my house. When I say church, it was more of a home meeting. We were just barely structuring this thing. We were all just meeting in my living room. Actually, in my kitchen table at that point. It was that small. It was only like four or five of us that would go to these Bible studies I was having. And there was this lady that was from Mexico. And it was a, it was, it was a very cold winter for us. And her gas was going to get cut off because she didn't have any money to pay. And back then, the gas bill was like $18, you know, or something like that. And she just asked us to pray for it. She didn't ask for any money, but we prayed for it. And then she took off. She went back to her house. You know, say, Lord, you know, supply it because they're going to cut her gas off and it's pretty cold. And um, my wife came back to me and she said, you know, I believe God is telling me that we're supposed to bless her and take care of that. And I said, well, I said, how much you got? I didn't have any money, you know. And she said, well, I got $20. He said, that's the last 20 we have. You ever been there? The last 20 becomes huge, right? And I said, well, and my wife said, because, you know, when you're in that position, you really want to make sure it's the Holy Spirit because you're down there at your last 20. You know, and I said, well, here's what I understand. The devil doesn't want you to bless anybody. He wants you to hurt people. He, you know, what, what is his job description? Kill, steal, and destroy. Anything in your life or any person that is killing, stealing, and destroying from you, uh, that's probably not a good relationship in your life. And that's probably fueled by Satan more than anything else. So we, we can eliminate Satan pretty quick out of that's not a devil thought. He didn't plant that thought. Well, we talk about, you know, it wasn't my wife's thought. Well, let's talk about human nature. Human nature without God is like, I'll pray for you, but I'm not giving you my money. Come on. Amen. Amen. You know, a lot of, a lot of Christian, Christians have this funny vocabulary age, right? It's part of Christianese. You'll learn it later. But instead of saying no, when somebody asks you for something, let me pray about it. But you already say it's no. You already said no. Can I borrow some money? Let me pray about it. That's just a no. They're not going to pray about it, and they're not going to give you any money. So just go ask somebody else. Because most of the time, you don't have to pray about anything. Boom. I pray a lot. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying, when you are connected to the Holy Spirit, you know, it's like, like the thing for Ukraine, yeah, there was a lot of prayer in it. There was a lot of prayer even right now. We were going to go at the, at the end of June, and it, it just doesn't, again, it just doesn't feel right. There's no big major issue. It just, there's too much going on in our life, and, and so we're trying to reschedule the conference. But um, the Holy Spirit, you know, imagine a very decision in your life, you had to pray about it. 
So my next question is, how long? A day, two days, a month? No, people that are tuned to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Hopefully you're praying when you're supposed to, and hopefully you pray every day. But the Holy Spirit just will tell you something. So I told my wife, I said, well, more than likely, it's probably not you either. Because we're broke. And broke people don't want to give their last 20 bucks. So there's only one entity left, and it's the Holy Ghost. And we went and gave her the 20 bucks, and she paid for her gas bill. And two days later, an aunt that has never sent us money ever before and has never sent money since. We got a check. Back then it was, gosh, it was so much money, we, you know, we couldn't even fathom it. I think it was around $500 in 1984. And just a few days later. And I'm convinced if we had not obeyed the Holy Spirit, that check wouldn't have come. You see, developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit also includes trust. You've got to trust him because it's amazing. He doesn't, in my experience, I'm talking about almost 30 years of, 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 of trying to live this way and starting from not really knowing because I grew up Baptist. We didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit in the Baptist circles. Not in that context. We talked about the small inner voice and all these things. But, you know, it's in growing and listening to the Holy Spirit and, and learning to understand this, you find out something about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't give more information than needed. Because, he's, because he, is, he, he believes that you trust him. Amen. I don't know what kind of conversations you have with your kids. I have some pretty intense ones with my grandson. And yesterday, you know, these are the kind of conversations you have. He was talking about, you know, we're talking about, I think I said something about levels of friendship and so forth and so on. And there was just some things, I'm not going to get a lot of details, but I said, listen. I said, do you trust me? He said, yes, I do. I've never lied to the kid, I never will. He knows. You know, he'll sometimes say, oh, you're lying. He says, Caden, you know I don't lie. Well, yeah, I know you don't lie. But I said, if I tell you not to trust somebody, you've got to trust me. He said, I do, Dad. I said, yeah, but when you're like 17 or 18 and there's a little girl coming into your life and I tell you she's not for you, are you still going to trust me? Not that I, you, know, you know what I'm saying, parents? Because trust is this, this, this huge thing, and I'm, and I'm drilling him because once you break trust, it's, really, it's, you know, it's hard to get it back. And even if you can get it back, sometimes you can't even get it back. But trust is something that comes from knowing somebody. And what I'm trying to tell Caden, I say, you know, because so, you know, if you're hanging around with some friend of yours and I say, I don't want you to hang out with that kid. And he says, why? I say, I don't tell you why. You just got to trust me. That's how the Holy Spirit deals with us. So I'm trying to teach him that. You know, I don't know if it's going to work or not. Hopefully it will. But that's how the Holy Spirit acts. You know, if the Holy Spirit says, don't do that, don't sit there and say, Why? Because you might not get another answer. Because all our whole relationship on God and the most powerful force your relationship has is called faith. Without faith, you cannot please Him. And what kind of faith is there if the Holy Spirit says, don't go that way, and you're like, why? He might not talk anymore after that, right? It was the time we were coming. You've heard this story so many times, but I'll say it because it's still about the Holy Spirit. Again, this was years and years and years ago. We had just started the church here. We started in that little building. We didn't have this. I remember because I remember the vehicle I was driving. I had a white Ford Econoline van, one of those, you know, family vans, whatever you want to call it. And we had gone down to the valley, and we were coming up. And I was going to, you know, I was going to take that little farm road. You guys know what I'm talking about, like Gloria and all that. It's a lot faster instead of going to Fowl and coming across. 
So I had programmed my head. Even before we left um, the valley, you know, I said, well, as soon as I get that road, what is it? Is it 1017, right? So it's 1017. You know, as soon as I get there, I'm going to turn off. And I still use that route. I just used it not too long ago. And I'm going down there. And as I'm getting closer, you know, maybe 10, 15 miles, the small inner voice comes up and says, don't go down that way. I didn't think too much about it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm tired. I want to get home. You know, five miles later, in my head, I'm still processing the, you know, looking for the exit. You know, we're getting close to the exit where I need to turn. And again, the small inner voice says, I don't want you to, don't go down that way. Well, I ignored it. And I turned down FM 1017, whatever it is. I was in a quarter mile, Lauro, <laughs> down that road. And then I heard it with everything on my inside. Don't drive down this road. Turned around, went all the way to Fowl, and came back to Evernville. And you're saying, well, what about it? I don't know what was down that road. I don't know if it was the end of my life. I don't know if we were going to get hit by a semi. I don't know. I don't care to know. I just knew that I heard the voice, I ignored it, and right after I turned, I heard it with everything. I didn't hear it with these ears, but I heard it everything on the inside. Very clearly. It was, like, it was basically something to the time. I told you not to go down this road. He didn't give me no more information. He didn't say, well, there's a semi going to you know, destroy your whole family or you're going to have a blowout. You're going to spend the night out. Because it was already late. You know, I, didn't get any more, I didn't get any more information. I just got that. Yeah. Well, so I said, well, what if nothing happened? Well, what if something did? I knew in my nor because I was tired and I wanted to get home and I didn't feel like going to foul. But everything else told me this is what you got to do. You see, we have to understand this, that it will not come out of your head or your imagination or your emotions. The voice of the Holy Spirit is really, really clear to everybody. And that is, you know, and I'll give you some tips before we close this morning to, to help you understand that. Let, let's move to the next one. Right, let's go. So, humility is a big one. <laughs> you got to lay down your arrogance. You got to lay down your pride. And I say, well, Pastor, I'm not prideful. Let me tell you what pride is from the Bible is exactly like what happened, that little story of going down the road. I had heard the voice. I chose to ignore it. I heard it again. I chose to ignore it. And the third time I heard it, and I could have still ignored it. Right? But humility is, that is pride. That is saying, no, I got this. Yes, there's a lot of things we got, but we don't got more than the Holy Spirit got. That's horrible English, but you know what I'm saying. He's got everything you need. And humility is just a simple approach to God to saying, Lord, I understand that without you, I can't even function properly. I prove that to the whole world. You guys know my story, and some of you have done that too. Without God, we're a mess. Look at your neighbor and say, I know that's you. Come on, just break the ice. I know that's you. Yeah, you're a mess. No, I didn't say you're a mess. Without God, you're a mess. Without God, we can't think straight. Without God, we make some really bad decisions. Can I hear an Amen. So we need the Holy Spirit. And James says this, does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover? So he's immediately talking about the Holy Ghost. And he's using the reference as breath because God loves you. And that's what the word jealous means. It doesn't mean jealousy in the, in the context of lovers. And, you know, somebody looked at the wrong person and now they're going to scratch your eyes out. You know, that's not what that means. It means that he just wants you for him. He doesn't want you to be beaten down by the devil. He doesn't want you messing your life up. 
So the Spirit of God that breathed into our hearts is jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. But then verse 6 says, but. In other words, if we don't resolve verse 6, verse 5 doesn't apply. Right? That's what the word but means, right? So we have to resolve what verse 6 says. says, But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. Humility, that would be a whole message for someday. But you've got to develop humility. Humility is not poverty. Can you say amen? amen? Because that's when some people say, well, you know, I've got to be poor to be humble. No, I know some poor people that are arrogant. And I know some very rich people that are very humble people. Right? So humility has nothing to do with your financial situation. Humility has to do with your heart. Because humble people receive correction. Humble people are teachable. Humble people can listen. Arrogant and prideful people can't. So if one of the things you're going to resolve this morning, if you want to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to deal with pride. Now, we all have pride. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is your ego, your, you know, the you, you that talks to you all day and thinks you got it all figured out and you actually don't. That is the humility that God is understanding. That is the humility to say, hey, are you willing to be, are you open for correction? Are you open to listen to my voice? Because I, I, I'm going to say this once and I'm going to say it more than once. He will not invade your life. If I would have made a choice to go down that road, that would have been the last word I probably heard of him. Now, he can still protect me, I get that, and it can be miracles and signs and wonders, but why do I need to go waste a perfectly good miracle when all I just had to do was listen to his voice? You know, because, you know, we don't know, you know, just listen to his voice, that's the biggest miracle you're going to experience. Because the ways of a righteous man, that's what the Bible says, are planned by God. You want to you live a life of success? You tune in the Holy Spirit. Amen. You tune in the Holy Spirit, and he'll, give you, he'll make you do things that are, don't even make sense. Last year when, the, you know, when COVID was just um, destroying everything, you all remember the stock market crashed, and everybody was you know, running for the, for the hills, and I had a little bit of money on the side that had a business deal I had done, and when everything was going south, I really felt for the Holy Spirit says, you better go buy some stuff. And I bought some stocks that were on sale because the stock market was so far down the pipe. And that little investment made me a ton of money by the end of the year. When people were running for the hills, the Holy Spirit said, no, get in. So you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. He, he wants to be involved in your investments. He wants to be involved in your marriage. He wants to be involved in how you raise your kids. None, nobody in this room has ever said, I don't know, no sé qué va a con esto chamaco, nobody. <laughs> Never said that. I don't know what I'm going to do with these kids. Well, that's the time you ask the Holy Ghost. He'll tell you exactly what to do. You realize that one child might respond really good to some form of discipline and the other child will not? And, you, you, and if you don't know how, you know, if you're just going to beat the fire out of every one of them, you might not get very far. I mean, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not against spanking, but there's a point in your life where... And you realize, you begin to realize, you know, if you let the Holy Spirit help you, you He'll help you raise your kids. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know. I, you don't understand, Pastor, how they act. Well, they're your kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying about that apple and tree and falling, right? 
No, he'll tell you everything. He, he, you see, this idea here, that verse 6, he continues to pour out more grace upon us. We, every one of us needs grace. You need grace today. Grace is that favor that you don't deserve. It's not grace just to be saved. It's grace for everything. Grace for driving down the highway. Grace for, you know, your marriage. Grace for your finances. Grace for your health. Every, every area of your life needs the favor of God. Are you still with me? Oh, I got a testimony. Y'all want to hear a testimony? You want to hear it to you? I'm going to challenge you now, Mr. Dr. H. I have a testimony about God's goodness and grace. So I get a call this week. Actually, I ignored it because it was a number I didn't know. Y'all don't do that. Because out of you know, Phoenix, Arizona, I mean, I know a couple of people in Phoenix, but I have them, I know, you know, if they call me, their name pops up. And, I didn't, and so I get a call, and there's a Christian university. I forget even what the name is now. I think it's Life Point University, something like that. And they call me, and I've been nominated to get a doctor's degree, honorarium. So, not like H got a real one. But. So, in the future, there will, there will be two doctors in the building, all right? I thought that was a great honor. Because you've got to have a lot of... You don't just, they don't just hand them out. You've got to write up, the, you know, your, they're basing your doctorate on your experience, ministry, so forth and so on. But I thought it was quite an honor, you know, and not that it makes any difference. I was just messing with Monica. I said, that's what changing batteries. I'm almost done. So, you know, my, my point of that is it's just, you know, it was an honor for me. But you know what the, what's the beauty of it? Because sometimes you think down here in South Texas, pastoring a little church here, another little church in Laredo, nobody knows your name, nobody knows you even exist. You're just over there treading, 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 doing what God called you to do back here in the, in the brush. But somebody knows what you're doing, and that somebody's called the Holy Spirit. And, I, and I'm giving him the glory for that because I'm not sure how these, I, I kind of know the connection now that I think about it, but I don't know these people. And they call me and say, we've been trying to get a hold of you because, you know, you've been nominated and you've got to present all these and you've got to, you know, I say, okay, okay. I said, I really appreciate that. And I, and I thank you. But to me, it was more about the Holy Spirit recognizing something that we've been doing for over 25 years. Amen? You know, almost, almost 30 years. But nobody, you know, and H knows we probably better than, you know, other than my wife. We've never tried to promote this ministry and try to get in the limelight and try to go rub shoulders with big shots. We just do what God tells us to do. And God gives you the honor. And God gives you that. And I think that six is a reason because, you know, there's another scripture that says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he, everybody say he, he will exalt you. Not your fame, not your history, not your job, not your degree. He will exalt you. And I do you know, I know it might not mean a lot to you, but to me it was like kind of significant to say, wow, you know, I never really pursued that. So I'm getting two degrees this year. I don't know if that one counts or not. I know... Um, What's her face? Oh, you don't talk to the, the first lady. I'm sorry. She was going by doctor, but then found out she was an honorary doctor. So anyway, y'all can call me Dr. Box now. Not yet. I'm just joking. I could care. I really know. I'm, to me, it's an honor, but I really could care less. It's not like I'm going to sign my books now, Dr. Box. But um, my point is the Holy Spirit, this is my point with that little testimony. The Holy Spirit knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you need. And sometimes you'll look around your life and say, nobody cares, nobody listens, I'm just over here, nobody even knows I exist. Uh-huh. 
Holy Spirit knows you exist. And you don't need anybody to affirm you. The Holy Spirit will affirm you. You don't need anybody to endorse you. The Holy Spirit will endorse you. You don't need anybody to promote you. The Holy Spirit will promote you. Are you here? Amen. All right, let's go to the next one. So, with Christ as my witness, and this is um, Paul speaking in Romans, my conscience, pay attention now. I'm sorry. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. And he says, my conscience, pay attention, because now I'm gonna, we're going to get into the mechanics of how this works now. And the Holy Spirit confirm it. The Holy Spirit will confirm that it's him. That he's not going to confirm it 15 times. But here's what, here's what Paul was saying. Paul says, I have a conscience, I have a mind, I have, I'm a thinking person, just like you. You have a mind, you have a thought process, but you also have the Holy Spirit there, and the Holy Spirit should be involved in the decision-making process. That's what I want you to show that scripture. So this is not something, you know, we're pulling out. The Holy Spirit will speak to you about everything. Next one. All right. So, number two, we're talking about humility. Be real. Be real. We live in a world where nothing is really real anymore. The news is not real. You know, I found a really funny meme this morning. I was wasting time on Facebook like some of y'all do. And I found this meme. It says, imagine if liar, liar, pants on fire was a thing. The evening news would be really fun to watch. (laughs) I thought that was funny because you guys don't think that's funny. That's all right. You got to be real with the Holy Spirit. You can't play games. Because, you know, we live in a world, don't feel bad about it, we live in a world where we have to wear masks, right? You know, you got to wear masks. You know, you might not stand your boss, and you'll say, good morning, sir, how you doing? And you're, you, don't, you don't really care how he's doing. And the worst mask we wear is in church. Because we come in, and again, I'm not knocking anything, I'm just saying that's just the way. You know, somebody comes to you, and, and they say how you're doing, and you really want to tell them how you're doing, but then you'll think, they're not going to think you're spiritual. Uh-huh. You really want to say, my week was hell. I'm broke. I'm sick. I can't stand. I mean, you're like, oh, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Everything's fine. Another mask. And the thing about wearing masks is, is um, if you're not careful, you start wearing a mask with God. And that's the one person that knows you, everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He made you. He created you. And this is, this is what I'm saying. If you really want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, number one is humility. Everybody say humility. Number two, you've got to be real. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed of the day of redemption. And the, and the grieving just simply means don't sadden him. Don't sadden him. And what saddens the Holy Spirit is that you try to play games. Because once you grow this relationship, the Holy Spirit will come up and say, how are you doing? And you better get ready to answer that. He already knows how you're doing. He's just waiting for you to answer that. Amen? Let's go to the next one. All right. Now I'm going to give you the last one. This is how you develop your steps. Steps to developing a closer relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is my last slide, I believe. Yeah. So... Let's break them down. Very simple points. That most people, and again, all these points take practice. 
So I'm encouraging you as a church, I'm encouraging you as a pastor, if you're not doing this, start immediately. You start and you end your day with prayer. Even if it's simple. You know, start with prayer. In my case, it's really easy, you know, while school's on, because we pray every morning. You know, it might be a little simple prayer, but we pray it every morning. And then at night, you know, I'll just kind of recap some of the stuff that happened today. And if it was a good day, I thank God. If it was a bad day, I thank God and ask him to help me, right? So make sure that prayer, and I know prayer kind of turns a lot of people, not off, but it becomes like this very hyper-religious word. Prayer simply means conversation. Can you start and end your day with a conversation? You already do it, right? With most, a lot of people. If you're married, that's usually how your day starts. You start with your talking to your husband and your wife, and you end by talking to your husband and your wife. So I think develop this relationship of prayer. Big one. Spend time, and I really mean every day. Every day in some form. With today's technology, you don't even have to have a paper Bible. You can be listening to the... If you, you realize, like, for example, the U version... You can hit that little icon on it, and it speaks it to you. You, know? you can actually hear the Bible for free, or you can put on MP, you know, MP3 player, MP4. You can download files. You can do all kinds of stuff. But I'm saying you've got to spend time in the Word. The Word can mean including, I don't want to say praise and worship. It could be praise and worship. But I'm thinking spend a little time. Have some kind of routine in your day where you, you're going to spend time in the Word. And it doesn't have to be hours, you know, hopefully you have that much time, but you have no idea how much 10 minutes, 5 minutes, focused 5 minutes on God's Word can make a huge difference. Because some people say, I don't have any time. Come on, everybody's got a 5 minutes. Let me help you, everybody's got the same amount of time. Nobody has more time than the other person. What you're saying is some people have less stuff going on than you have. But that's your bad. <laughs> you got to maybe take some other stuff that are wasting your time, like all that... Facebook, I just mentioned Facebook, right? Or all that social media, or all whatever, and just say, I'm going to give God five minutes in my day. And I would recommend, sometimes you can't do this because of your work, I would recommend in the morning. Just because in the morning it just seems like, you know, that's the right way to start your day. Come in the morning, listen to God, get, get a word. You say, well, what do I read, Pastor? Well, I don't, you know, it doesn't really matter. Take the book of Psalms, take the book of Proverbs, take... Book of John, I don't, you know, just pick anything. I wouldn't recommend you go and read the law of Levitical law because that might, you know, that doesn't, nothing wrong with that, but that doesn't really apply to you. I'm talking about things that will really make a difference. And you'd be surprised how many times if you just spend a little bit of time in the Word in the morning, that day there's chances that you're going to come across a circumstance or a situation where that Word that you heard will have the answer to the problem. It's amazing how that works. This is what makes this book so unique. You know, I've been reading this book continually for almost 27, 28 years, off and on. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I'm spending hours and hours every day. But throughout the years, if you look, you know, this is one of my older Bibles. I, I just wear Bibles out. It's all highlighted everywhere, notes, scribbles, scrabbles, everything. Because the same scripture can mean something today that will get you through some problem or will help you resolve something and you read that same scripture three years down the line, and it will be applied completely different to a different circumstance. This book is alive. There is no book out there that does this. Amen. And if you want to listen to the Holy Spirit, you need to listen to the Word because He wrote it. You have to believe this. If you're a believer, 
You believe that this book was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this is where, where people amaze me, because if you, you know, going back, I don't want to spend too much time, but going back to hanging on the spectacular versus the, you know, the, the, the normal things of God, you know, the voice of God, the small inner voice, if you don't know the word, you know, so some, like, like I told that kid, you know, he, wanted so, he was so hungry for a prophetic word, but when I told him, read the Bible, he thought like, wow, that's, he said, really? And I'm like, yeah, really? <laughs> that, that never, you know, he couldn't connect the idea. You want to hear the Holy Spirit, he's right in your hands. Right here, all the time. And I challenge you to any circumstance that you're dealing with. It might be a decision. It might be something serious. It might be just a dream. It doesn't have to be necessarily bad. But have you gone and read the word regarding that? And you could, you know, you could actually go and say, Lord, I'm dealing with this. Speak to me, Lord. And then start reading. And you might have to read a few things. You might have to go through a few th- scriptures. But then all of a sudden, there's going to be one little scripture that's going to go, bam. And that's God talking to you. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to the small inner word, voice, but he'll also speak through the written word. So you have to spend time in the word. And then, this is a, a big one, you've got to talk to him about everything, especially when you're confused, angry, or depressed. Talk to God at your worst. Because it's really easy to talk to God at your best. But it's harder to talk to God at your worst. And you have to grow in that confidence and say, God, I am having a bad day. I start a lot of conversations like that. Lord, help me resolve this. Help me understand this. You have a fight with your wife, you've had a fight with your husband, don't keep fighting, go ask God about it. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm being honest. I think some people preach it, I'm an honest preacher. I think I am. You don't know how many conversations I started. I, I told my wife and I, we have, like, we get along really good now. We don't fight. I guess we're just old now. We don't fight anymore. When we were young, we would, whoo, we would fight. And I would go, God, I can't stand her. Now, that's how the prayer would start. And before it was over, I'm actually asking her for forgiveness, you know, because at the end of that conversation, the love of God is just being poured on you. You're like, okay, Lord, I'll go fix it. You have to have that confidence because, well, let me ask you this question. Those of, again, those of you that are married or you have a close friend, are all your conversations just like happy, happy, up and up? Is that all you ever talk about? Unless, you know, if you're not talking about something happy, happy, and up and up, then there's no... No, a lot of conversations, just like a marriage, some are about good things. Hey, look, you know, the kid's doing good in school. Then, you know, if you might have another conversation. Hey, they're going to repo the car. You're still having those conversations. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Have that level of intimacy with God. Don't just sit there and say, oh, Lord, I praise you, I worship you, it's awesome, your glory, glory, glory. No, say, Lord, I am dealing with this. And once you get done with that, you know, you can also talk, again, that's a kind of like on the negative, but on the positive, talk to him about your plans and purpose and especially important decisions. Don't you ever make an important decision before getting counsel from heaven. You know, I've been, hopefully, I don't know if you've been there, but I've been in those places where, you know, this is kind of a, not listening to the Holy Spirit, long story I'm going to tell you, but I bought a vehicle back in 1997 that I wasn't supposed to buy. Oh, you've never done that. The only problem is I'm the only honest one here. And everything in my Holy Spirit inside of me said, don't you buy it, don't you sign for it. But it well, looked so cool and it had a lot of bells and whistles and it had like lots of lights and stuff. It looked like a spaceship. And I signed it. 
And I bought it. Well, I didn't really buy it. I just paid for it for a long time. And the whole time I was the most miserable person on the planet. And the whole time the Holy Spirit said, don't sign it, don't buy it, don't sign it. I'm like, no, 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 you don't know what you're talking about, Lord. We're getting this vehicle for the ministry. Nervous laughter across the church, all right. Well, guess what? God got me out of that mess. That I shouldn't have never gotten. In other words, we birthed an Ishmael. You don't know what I'm talking about is Ishmael was a son of the flesh. Isaac was a son of the spirit. And if we're not careful, we'll birth Ishmael. It will go off. And so don't you ever do an important purchase or an important decision or an important anything. You know, there's so many people, and I understand, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody. But there's a lot of people, or there's at least a few that I know, that they never, you know, they came to church, they were in church, and then something happened and they, they got a job somewhere else and took off. They never asked God. They never asked God if they were supposed to move. They never asked God if they were supposed to go to a different church. They never asked God any of that. They just went and did it. And then, you know, their life just kind of bumps and bumps and bumps and bumps. And then you see them come back a couple years later. And what happened? And like, oh, man, it wasn't a good ride. And I'm like, well, what happened? And they tell me this horror story. And I don't really, you know, I don't want to be the mean pastor, but I almost want to say, well, did you ask God about that? Because if you had asked God at the front end, you wouldn't have put yourself through all that hell. You can say amen to that. See, he is your helper, doesn't he? You know, we'll talk about that next week. But the, but the, the job description of the Holy Spirit is counselor, helper, healer. He's everything. Comforter. That's what I'm saying. When you're having a bad day, he, he, can, he can bring comfort in your heart. When somebody has betrayed you, he can bring comfort in your heart. When you lose a loved one, are you kidding me? When our loved one's gone to heaven, if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost, I don't know. Because he would engulf you in so much love. You know, I remember marrying, burying my mom on a Tuesday. We had her funeral on a Tuesday. And that's when we had full service Wednesday night. Wednesday night, I was preaching just like I've always preached. I was grieving, and I was sad, and I was crying. But he would do something for me. And even the following Sunday, where I could get up and nobody would have ever imagined I was missing my mom so much. Because you need him for everything, amen? Talk to him about plans, purpose, important decisions. Like any conversation, pay attention to this one, it must be a dialogue, not just a monologue. We have to become sensitive to the small inner voice. And I use this word kind of loosely, the nudges. He nudges you. It's like a little tiny elbow trying to push you. That's what I'm saying, you know, when coming down that highway, he nudges you, he tells you, he, he's always, but you have to have a conversation, because a lot of Christians, and I was guilty of this for many years, and, I've, and I'm still maybe a little guilty, but I'm trying to correct it, is we pray, and, and you guys come, if you come to my prayer service, I can pray for hours. We shut it down because it's time to shut it down, but, you know, we can sit here and pray, and it just keeps going, and God adds more, and you keep going. But if you're not careful, then it's just a monologue, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need that, help me, Jesus, I love you, I praise you, Jesus, amen, boom, you're out the door. And God was like, about to give you an answer, but you just immediately shut it off. Prayer should not be something that starts with, dear Heavenly Father, and ends with an amen. Prayer should start when you wake up and should end when you go to sleep. That, that, that's what I'm saying. You don't turn it off. It you don't always have to be talking, talking, talking. If you, are, if you understand the closeness of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to even, you, you'll know you know, you'll know it. And he'll get into everything. He gets into your work, man. He'll get into tough decisions that you don't know how to do it, and he'll help you with that. So any conversation has... So if you ask the Holy Spirit, just like you would ask anybody, you know, or, or somebody would ask you something, wait for the answer. Don't just assume the answer. 
Well, what if I don't get the answer? Then don't make any decisions. Don't move. If you ask God about, you know, you're going to move out of state for a good job, you know, don't go ask him about it after you moved. <laughs> you ask him right now. Well, what if he doesn't say nothing? Then you stay put. Do you realize, and I was talking to Monique about this, that what God called us to do in ministry, I've never heard anything different. We're still doing the same thing that we believe that we heard back in 1994. That's it. We're still doing the same thing. I haven't had new instructions. Now, he adds to things. You know, when I went to Cuba, I thought it was a one-time trip. I didn't know about that. And then we found out that, no, it wasn't a one-time trip, that we're heavily invested in Cuba with the work that we're doing down there and our brothers and sisters in Cuba. You know, that, those kind of stuff. But that was still part of the stuff that we do. We'd always done missions. We started doing missions. Before we ever had church, we were running, you know, doing missions. You know, nothing really changed. He hasn't told me, and I don't go, Lord, what's my new assignment? Because I already figured this out. If I have a new assignment, I'll know about it. Amen? If he tells me, you need to go start a church, you know, in some place nice. No, just kidding. I'll do it. But unless he tells me, I'm not going anywhere. He doesn't have to remind me, you need to stay in Heavenville, you need to stay in Heavenville. No, that's what he said. When we moved to Heavenville, I mean, everything in our life has been like that, supernatural. The way we met Gladys was supernatural. Everything was just, the, the steps of the righteous man are marked by God. And the way that happens is the Holy Spirit sets you up. Have you ever felt like you've been set up by the Holy Spirit in a good way? You meet somebody that was completely random, and that person turned out to be a tremendous blessing in your life? You met somebody that was completely random, and that person offered you the best job you've ever had in your life? Come on, those don't things just happen. Holy Spirit's taking care of you. Let's finish this up. So, like any conversation, has two parts, and then this is, this is to me my big one. You follow peace. If you don't get any answer, if you don't get a straight download from heaven, is there peace in your heart? Is there peace in your heart? Now, I'm a very, I have a very simple way of thinking, and I do have a very, you know, an imagination that, that to me, I have, and this is my way of processing it, to you it might be different because it's not a Bible thing, but I have a little thing with everything that I've learned how to, how to listen to Holy Spirit's promptings. And I just use a traffic light. That's to me, that's, that's the best analogy. Decisions, relationships, people in the church, people that, that are in leadership or, or, you know, financial decisions. You'll have three levels of conversation. You'll have a green light. That means go for it. It's good. That's called peace. Doesn't make sense. You just have peace over it. But then many times I have a yellow light. And the yellow light is, can mean two things to me. It can mean caution. Or it can mean not in such a hurry. In other words, not a green. It's a yellow light. You do realize that yellow lights are meant for you to stop, not to blow through them, right? Now, I never stop. At a, to me, if I see a yellow light like half a mile, it's... Time it. Ten, nine... Eight, you know, trying to make sure it doesn't turn red before I go out. No, a yellow light is caution. The Holy, you know, have you ever met a person that you got a yellow light? It wasn't a red. It wasn't, ooh, run for the hills. It was like, eh, just don't go all in yet. Come on, y'all, y'all look so holy, but you know, and I know, that our life would be way better off if we had listened to the Holy Spirit a few times. 
You know, you got married to her, but you had never seen her without makeup. You're like, whoa, Jesus, what happened? You thought you were like in the exorcist. Spitting green stuff. That could go both ways. It could be a guy too, right? He was so handsome. Stop there, Lord. I, I just hit home. But come on, you and I know that if we had to have the Holy Spirit in our younger years, we would have not gotten in so much trouble, right? Well, now we have him. We can't fix the past. But we sure enough can fix our present and future with him. Last point, you meditate on his goodness and his past victories that you know he caused. We don't live in the past. We don't dwell in the past. But make sure you, you make memories and it's okay. I mean, come on, you don't hang out with your friends and you remember when we... Usually it has like a bad story, right? Most, most of your friend stories don't say, like, remember when we used to go to church and had such... No, they usually like... But that's the Holy Spirit likes that. Because when you're going through a storm, the devil will tell you, this is the one, Joe, this is the one that's going to bury you, this is the one. And the Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. Remember 10 years ago? Remember when we got out of that one? And remember what happened five years ago? And remember how you were already done three years ago? And you're building those memories, and that encourages your faith. And the Holy Spirit has a way of reminding you of your victories. Never of your losses, though. He never goes, well, like, yeah, you're an idiot. He never does that. He reminds you. So you, need, you have a responsibility. When, as, as you meditate on his goodness and past victories, you will grow in that relationship with him. I'm telling you, this is a powerful, powerful thing. When you're having a bad, bad day, you go and talk to the Holy Spirit, and you watch how quick you'll bring up stuff that you already forgot. You'll say, remember 15 years ago when your baby was burning up with fever, and you laid hands on him, and the fever completely stopped that second? And you're like, yeah. And do you remember five years ago when this, and you remember three years ago when this, and before you suddenly you have like this, you know, this storm, if I can say, of blessings and testimonies just rise up in you, and you're like, okay, devil, And two minutes before, you were completely overwhelmed with the problem. So these steps right here, you know, this is not, this is my list. I I didn't, you know, this is not the official theological listen to this. This is just the things that I have developed. Some may apply to you, some may not, but in a context, these are the things that have helped me learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Would you get something out of it this morning? Let's go ahead and stand this morning. We're going to leave it right there. And you don't want to miss next week, so please come. Let's pray. And I want to pray this prayer in, in, you know, in rhythm with what we're preaching. Then we'll, you know, pick up this morning's offering. But I want everyone in this room, everyone watching me online, first and foremost, if you don't know Jesus in your heart, you guys know this is how I always pray. If you feel like you've walked away, if you feel like you're not connected anymore, I'm going to remind you, while you were a sinner, Jesus loved you. Every head bowed, please. Just just focus on this. We're all at a different place in our relationship. But not one of us should be without the voice. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. Those online, pray it with us. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you with humility and with a desire for you to be involved in my life. I ask you to come into my life as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for all my sins, even the ones I do not remember. And I thank you, Lord, that today I am a child of God. 
Now, this is the second prayer I want you to do. This is the one about you're going to invite the Holy Spirit to have a greater voice in your life. If you're not experienced you know, the filling of the Holy Spirit, you can ask for it right now. But more than anything, you have the Holy Spirit. You see, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you have him now. He's never left you. So this is my prayer for you. I just want you to receive it. But I want you to, I want you to repeat this. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you a voice in my life. You will not be silent anymore. And help me, Holy Spirit, to learn to listen to you. Amen. Now, this is my prayer for you. You don't have to repeat it. And I believe I have what I pray for. So I'm going to pray. If you've been struggling with this, you've been struggling with the noise and the static of life, the confusion that comes with all life has to offer. My prayer right now is this. Lord, make us all sensitive like never before to your voice. Father, we want to walk like the barefooted priests would walk in the Holy of Holies. Lord, yes, we all misstep all the time, including myself, Lord. Holy Spirit, give us an understanding this morning. Let everyone in this room leave encouraged. Let everyone in this room understand that they are not alone, that they don't have to navigate this thing alone, that we want to know you. We want to show us the Father, Holy Spirit. Show us the heart of Jesus. Show us the love and compassion. Lord, I pray for everyone listening to this message, online, in-house, or maybe they go back and listen to it in the future. But the message is still the same, that we all want you, Holy Spirit. Do your own prayer right now. Start practice it right now. Practice it, come on. Don't be shy. You don't have to be loud, but try to talk to him right now. See, it's, it's weird. He says, well, I don't see him. But no, but, he, but he's there, remember? He's your breath. He's everywhere. Holy Spirit, I just thank you. Mighty, mighty Spirit of God. We don't have to do this thing alone. Lord, I thank you so much for all the times that you've avoided trouble in our life. And I repent for all the times that I didn't listen to you and I should have. But I want to become more and more sensitive, God. As the days turn darker and darker, we need to have your voice clear and clearer, Lord. We live in a world that's completely upside down on so many levels. But your world is not upside down, God. We want to listen to heaven. And Father, mark our steps this very week. And for those that are dealing with difficult situations, Holy Spirit, drop into their, that small inner voice that they can hear, the solution, and the very step they have to take. And we are open, Lord, to recognize that. We will never be in the darkness of, is it you or is it me? It will be very clear. Help us to understand how to follow peace in every decision that we make. Thank you, Lord, for this church. I call them blessed in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Glory to God. You give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Come on, church. You may be seated there for a moment. So I wanted to um, have another praise report I shared Wednesday night. But, um, you know, we've been helping Cuba as much as we can, and it, they need all the money we can send them. Trust me, there's... It's such a critical situation right now with the food. Yoed is doing okay. He sent me so many pictures last week. I want to put them all together and give you guys an update. 
on the food. So they're, they're finding food. But, you know, we've, we've also, you know, we sent money, quite a bit of money. Last month we sent over $2,400 to Cuba. And then this month we've sent smaller amounts. And we've had a lot of stuff, in, you know, in-house, you know, that we have to take care of and bills and all kinds of stuff. But I got a call from, from Brother Joe McCroskey um, Monday just to let me know. And, and again, I didn't, you know, I, I, I'm a, I share vision. That's all I share. And they've been, you know, they, Joe McCroskey and Jerry Savelle, they were in Cuba. They know UN very well. They saw it firsthand. They, they were there on the ground. But, you know, since 2018, you know, they do their thing, their ministry. They hadn't really, you know, said anything or done anything major. So he calls me, and, and they're sending a very, very significant offering tagged for Cuba. Glory to God. Amen. That's the kind of stuff that God does. And, and I'm excited. You know, we haven't received it yet, but I told you, and he was just so stoked about it because this is the kind of God we serve. Amen. God has a mission. I want you to get, get a hold of this. And one of the biggest things that you can do, you know, just kind of coattailing off the teaching this morning, I don't want to take any time. Our, our clock is done. I need to get you out of this building. Is even when you give, not even when you give. Don't you ever approach that as a very mechanical, oh, we got to give money to church. No, no, no. Giving is such a holy thing for God. And as you know, you'll never have a high pressure offering in this church. We don't do that. We share vision. But at the same time, every one of us, those of you watching me online, those of you in this building, you have the responsibility, I'm telling you, before God to say, God, what do you want me to do? And then get really quiet. I, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into service completely pre-programmed in my head I'm going to give $50 I'm going to give $100 and before I walked out I had so thousands of dollars because the Holy Spirit changed something that's not that happened more than once you know and it was weird and it was uncomfortable and it was something I my flesh didn't want to do but in my inner sin here where the Holy Spirit resides I knew that I knew that I knew anybody know what I'm talking about it didn't even make sense you need to do that you need to fix that you know, when people say, what are you doing in Cuba? I say, I don't know. I just know we're supposed to do it. That's it. And coming up with all these crazy ideas, coming up that we needed to buy a farm with no money, and within four months, between Faith Exchange out of New York and this church raising over $35,000, just because the Holy Spirit told us you got to believe for it. You see, that's where I'm going with this. You, God wants, if you let the Holy Spirit get involved in your finances, you don't just say, Holy Spirit, bless my finances. You start by saying, Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do? See, you guys, I'm losing the amens now. Come on. That's a simple. Just say, Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do today? You say, no, that's fine. You know, give your little $20. That's fine. Give $10. Give $1. Whatever. But there might be days that Holy Spirit puts something that's completely beyond what you even thought that would be possible to do. I was in a meeting, an uh, ICFM meeting back in 2001. I remember because it was right after 9-11. There was hardly anybody there. It was just a weird time. This was in October. And, and of course, you remember 9-11 happened in September. And I was in that meeting, and I had already given a you know good offering, and the Lord told me of this this number that had three zeros, and there was a big number in front of the three zeros. And <laughs> I remember sitting, I was sitting with Monica and a good good friend of mine, Pastor Gabriel from Mexico, was sitting behind me, and I'm just I'm struggling with this thing. Because first of all, I didn't even have it, but I, I was going to have it, you know. And I'm thinking, I'm just thinking, and Gabriel puts his arm on my, says, "I believe God's talking to you," and I'm thinking. No, maybe he's talking to you, you know. We got all the lines across, and he's telling you to give the thousands and not me, you know, because I, I didn't want to do it. But I knew that I had heard the Lord, and I didn't really have the money, so I wrote out that envelope. I said, I don't have this, but in January, 
you will have this money. This was in October. And I, and I knew, you know, the money wasn't the faith money. It was some business stuff that was happening, and, I, and I'd have some extra money. And I met that promise. And I can tell you, I've shared this with H over the years. This was in 2001. I can tell you, with all the glory to God and all the honor to God, that that seed, I saw it come back a hundredfold return. Not a hundred percent, one hundredfold over years. Not, not instantly, over the years. I think we're still walking in some of that harvest today. See, God never forgets his seed. But when the Holy Spirit is involved, wherever you want him involved, get him involved. You want to prosper financially? which I think everyone should believe God for that. If, you know, if you're fine, then you believe God for more so we can do more. Because at the end of the day, it takes money to do all this. You're fine, glory to God. But you go to God first. You say, Lord, what is my part to do? What is my part to Cuba? What is my part to Ukraine? What's my part to the local church? You know, we have our VBS coming up. We need money for our VBS, you know. And, you know, I'm not, I think the budget was $2,000 or so. What is my part for these kids? Everything... You know, what I'm saying is the more you get him involved, the more he will get involved. So if you want to know how to prosper financially, don't start by asking God, how much can you give me? Start by asking God, how much am I supposed to give? Because he will work and he does work everything on the principle of seed time and harvest. He will never divorce himself from that principle. He gave you the ability to control your own destiny by the seeds that you sow. That's the kind of God we serve. So, you know, I come to Holy Spirit. I don't just give money. There's been services, and this goes both ways, by the way. I've been services where I had my offering ready, and I was going to sow. And, you know, maybe I had prepared. I remember one that I had prepared two, a couple hundred bucks or something. We were going to a meeting. And the meeting went so bad. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't agree with. The, the manip- you forget some of those. They manipulated people. They were playing games with stuff. And I'm sitting there, and the Holy Spirit told me, he said, don't you sow a seed in this offering. And I'm like, I already had it in my hand. Holy Spirit says, don't you sow that seed up. Right back. I put it right back. I was, I was ready to sow it. But the Lord said, that's not good ground. And that's another thing. You know, ask God if what's good ground. If you believe this church is a blessing, if you believe your family is better because this church exists, then that's a good indicator that it's probably good ground. Amen? And that's where you want to sow. And that's not just this ministry. There's a lot of great ministries out there. Any ministry that we ever give this pulpit to, trust me, they have 100% endorsement to... For you to be partners with Elson and Dennis and Terry and all these guys that come. So make sure you pray about that. Amen. All right, go ahead and um, if you need an envelope for your giving, there should be one nearby. If you're going to give online, there'll be instructions on the screen. Go ahead and stand with me and I'll get you out of here. Oh, oh yeah. Well, thank you for reminding. We'll go ahead and stand anyway. So all the Bruni graduates are they are they in the building? There's not any of them. Two? Where are they? I know H is here. All right, Brody graduates, come up here. We prayed for the Evernville graduates last week. Come on up here. Let's give them a hand clap so they don't get shy. Make them really shy now. You guys were in Florida, right? You like it? All right. I don't know when I said what you guys were laughing about the Florida trip, but anyway, I'll ask later. Let's get an agreement for this, for this uh, young man and young lady. Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, that the new season of their life is beginning, Father. Come up here, Dana. Y'all know. Associate Pastor Yelly Hansen. And Father, I speak right now that, Lord, you know, as a pastor's heart, listen very carefully to this prayer, guys, because this is really a prayer I pray. That all these years that you've been in church, and H, I know you since you were born, that when you get into the college arena, when you get into a, a different place, my prayer is always that these seats 
bring harvest. That you will never walk away from the things that you learn. That you'll see a lot of things and you might want to be part of the crowd, but the Holy Spirit will remind you something. That you've been set apart, that you were prayed for, you guys were dedicated to God. And my prayer is that you walk, even in the darkest of darkness, you always walk with the Holy Spirit. That's my first prayer. My second prayer is everything you set your heart to do, you will succeed at it. Again, you have the Holy Spirit. You have a secret weapon with you that a lot of those kids don't have. You got the voice of God. So, Father, as I lay my hands on them, I bless them. That everything that little H puts his hand on will prosper. Father, I know he's done awesome in his school, and he will continue that. Financially, emotionally, and physically healthy. All of them. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus she makes the decisions for her life that she will prosper in everything that she puts her hand on and that she has a financial and emotional and a natural blessing on her where she'll see you in so many ways and whatever their dreams are father i'm in agreement with them i call you blessed and i speak covenant protection as they drive up and down these highways coming to visit their family over the weekends and whatnot but i just thank you the father that their steps are marked by god and i call them blessed in jesus name everybody said Amen. Well, congratulations, guys. Let's give them a hand clap. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated, but not the church. Y'all stay standing because these guys will, I mean, go back to your seat. Remain standing. Let's go. Father, I just thank you this morning. As we sow these seeds into the work of the kingdom, as we sow these seeds, Father, into the functioning of ministry. Father, but those seeds are not just money. That's a portion of their life. And Holy Spirit, what I prayed over them, that you mark us, that you, that, that you are part of every conversation, even down to our finances, even down to what we're supposed to buy, what we're not supposed to buy. How much are we supposed to give? How, where are we supposed to sow? Father, everything. And I bless the seeds that are being...